Hello, and welcome to FinTech Impact. I'm your host, Jason Pereira. Today on the show, I have Julie Littlechild, founder and CEO of Absolute Engagement. Julie is a well-known speaker and authority when it comes to client engagement in the financial advisory space. And she's parlayed that into a new venture, the Absolute Engagement Engine, that helps basically manifest a lot of what she has been talking about for a long time. And with that, here's my interview with Julie. Julie, thanks for the time today. Oh, thrilled to be here. Thanks, Jason. Always a pleasure to spend time chatting with you. So, Julie Littlechild, basically tell us about the Absolute Engagement Engine. Well, we're just a little bit excited about this, I have to tell you. And the engine we created to help advisors to connect at a much deeper level with their prospects and clients, but to do that efficiently and consistently. So in essence, it's a tool to help them capture sentiments at every stage of the journey, automatically uncover engagement and growth opportunities, and take action. Okay, excellent. Basically, I feel like that's your checklist for what you would tell people to do exactly. So perfect. All right. So for those of us listening who don't know, for people who don't know who you are, let's give it your history. Not just, we should we just talk about the history of the product, but you have a much more lengthy history in the advisory industry. So talk about that and let, let's talk about what led you to the product. Yeah. You know, I've been in this industry for 25 years or so, have always been in and around the space of helping advisors to deliver a better experience to their prospects and clients. And over time, that evolved when I started my own business into a hyper-focus really on the role that the voice of the client plays in that. There's a lot of different ways to deliver a great experience our focus is very much on how do we integrate the voice of the client, how, when, and where, and you know what do we do with that information to drive the, the experience. For most of my career, we have focused on working with advisory firms to sort of, quote, do client surveys. You know, it was a professional services business. It was very successful and we we continue to work with a lot of clients in that way to really understand you know on an annual survey for example what their clients are thinking and what they need the evolution of this however into the engine really came about because of our own research which we do every year with investors and the realization that if we're going to drive deeper engagement, like beyond satisfaction, we need to really tease out not just if clients are happy with the relationship and how often they want to meet, but how are they really feeling? What's keeping them up at night? How do they think about the future? If we could get to those sentiments, then we could use that to drive deeper conversations and a better experience the challenge is those kinds of sentiments are very fluid and they differ within couples and they change over time. And that meant we needed a different kind of technology to support our ability to capture that those sentiments sort of in real time and understand what to do with them. And, and so we evolved the business into, into what we have today with the engine. Excellent. So basically... You're telling everybody to do everything. I'm going to sum this up probably. You're telling everybody <laughs> to do everything. And telling people to do thing is, do something is one thing. Doing it for them increases the probability of action. Mm -hmm. And taking all the wonderful stuff that you've worked on over the years and basically productizing that effectively. Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So excellent. So let's talk about the experience that it is to work with this, uh, this product. So from a client perspective, what are they seeing? And then we'll talk about from the advisor perspective and the benefits. From the client perspective, they are being invited to share targeted relevant input at each stage of the journey. So when I say that, what I mean is 
as they are visiting a website as a lead, as they're coming in for an introductory meeting as a prospect, as they're being onboarded, as they're coming into a review for a client, they're being invited. If it's an individual as an individual, if it's a couple separately for each of those to share two to three minutes of input that is very focused on that stage of the journey and how they're thinking and feeling at that time. And to some extent, that's it for the client. They're just sharing their input and they're they're getting that back in the form of a targeted agenda or deeper insights on how they're feeling and definitely a better conversation with the advisor. Excellent. So, okay, so that's the feeling. So let's let's talk about the actual kind of questions you're asking and what it is you're trying to really like, you're getting into sentiment and happiness and all this other stuff. But let's, let's dig into like what it is uh, that you were asking in particular, how is that message potentially being modified or being, being targeted at different groups to really kind of under, get the underlying sentiment? So when we think about sentiments, we tend to group them into a few categories, although there's probably many different <laughs> variations of this. And the one thing I'd say is, first of all, we start with recommendations, but this is a fully configurable technology. So any advisor could have a different set of questions and a different set of communications based on their clients and their understanding of their clients and their needs. But effectively, we're looking at confidence. How are they feeling about the future? Concerns? What keeps them up at night? Outlook? You know, when they look forward, is it with fear or excitement or pessimism or optimism. We're looking at preferences around communications and expectations and broadly what we call perspectives, which is a bit of a catch-all, but a perspective might be something like, does your plan really reflect what's fundamentally most important to you and your family right now? Right? So we're trying to get at those types of questions as well. So that's that's how we define sentiments. Okay, fair enough. I mean, really, these are the kind of areas or topics that, of course, we should be understanding about our clients. Mm-hmm. The traditional product-focused industry doesn't really care about that, but the industry's evolved for most yeah. for many advisors to basically learn how to basically look to be aware of that. But it's something else to structure the conversation in the format of a questionnaire, right? You know, mm-hmm. you know, we hear these things, oh, you should be doing all that, but some people are very find those conversations awkward. Some people mm-hmm. find those conversations or just aren't just aren't trained to think about how to bring when do I surface this in a questionnaire, right? Yeah. And yeah. So I mean, you're kind of giving us a nice like package structure for how to handle that. They're struck absolutely. I mean, how do I do this consistently? If I have a firm with 10 or 20 advisors, how do I make sure that is being done to some extent consistently across all of those advisors? But the one nuance there, which is really interesting, is uh, the firm, we had two firms who have been with us from day one on this journey as the beta and the pilot and now clients. And I would argue that some of them are the best I know at connecting with people. So you could argue, well, why do they need this? What they told me was, it just makes it more efficient. So rather than spending half my time with the client trying to tease out, which I have the skills to do. I just don't have the time to do it. Now we walk into that meeting knowing exactly where to go and it's a better conversation, but we get there faster. Yeah, it's funny. That, that, that is the one thing that comes up with a lot of these things is that if you care about this stuff, you care about it and you're probably doing it on some level. If you don't care about it, there's no product in the world that's going to make you care about it on some level. So it's, uh, it's you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was having a, sorry, I was just going to say, I was having a conversation with um, 
Joe Duran recently, and we were talking through the, the the technology. And I have to give him credit because he, <laughs> the way he described it was, you're deepening and shortening the trust cycle. And I thought, oh, I quite like that. So I'm absolutely going to steal that and use it. We'll leave it, leave it to Joe to actually come up with something that you know, in well, five minutes of, or less, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. Once time this manages to sum it all up, and we're like, oh yeah, that's yeah. exactly. Oh, that's it. It. that's what that. I've been spent years trying to figure out. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. No kidding. So anyway. So you're absolutely right. I mean, I think the the fact that I think the fact that these questions are being asked, mm-hmm. right, shows a show, it's a demonstrated preference as to what actually matters to you, right? I mean, you know, we all we're all going to ask about like how much money do you have to invest? You know, what sure. is it worth? Like those are those are things. But it also like it, it's those types of questions are important for us to get to do our job. But at the same time, they also demonstrate our priorities, right? Like we yeah. uh, what we're thinking about. Of course, of course, the wealth management industry is about managing wealth and getting compensated on that. Mm-hmm. But if you're not demonstrating the softer pieces that people are caring about, then you're not showing. We all talk about caring being a thing that we all need mm-hmm. to do. And it's like, it should be table sticks. But if we're not asking questions around that and demonstrating that in our interactions, then frankly, we're, we're not we're not, we, there's a disconnect between mm-hmm. what we're saying, what we're doing. So it makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. So before I get into the advisor taking that and what they're doing mm-hmm. with it, I take it, you know, clients can take this thing over and over again. Are we, ba- are we benchmarking mm-hmm. their, their, their sentiment trends over time? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when we think about what we define as just automatically uncovering the engagement and, and uh, growth opportunities, those opportunities emerge for a few reasons, either because of the way a client shows up at a point in time. So if I come into for a review meeting or it's an introductory meeting as a prospect and my confidence level is sort of in the middle, that's an opportunity. That alone is an opportunity to, to dig deeper. If I come in for a meeting and the advisor can see that the last time I came in, my confidence was high and now it's moderate, that change creates an opportunity to dig in. And then finally, if I'm moderate on confidence but my partner sleeps like a baby at night, that difference is also an opportunity. So yes, we create scoring. We're tracking that over time. And we're looking both at the change and any gaps within couples. The couple thing is huge. Absolutely. I mean, this is a common problem, right? The statistic constantly quoted is that it was like two thirds of advisors we fired by the spouse once the um, once yep. the first the first one passes away. And when I say that, it's, it's a net invariably... <laughs> Based on demographics and everything else, the male who gets fired, who gets who basically passes first, the female mm-hmm. who gets fired, and oftentimes because again they feel unheard and unengaged with. Absolutely, um, it's amazing the things that we have to keep saying in the industry for that for decades that just don't seem to change. Unfortunately, um, so, <laughs> well, we say them, but we might not be sure what to do about it, right? And I think that's what we're trying to get. Yeah. To. Well, I mean, it's too often I've heard that, and at the same time, it's like. Well, if the spouse is sitting there not asking questions or not showing up to meetings mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, they're okay because they just want to leave it to the one spouse, it just means that the conversation is not of interest enough to them Bingo. to show up. Yeah. And it's not that it's not that they're not interested in their in their welfare. It's yeah. that the way you're approaching it, they're not interested in it or they, they're afraid of it or whatever else it is. So, I mean, I've had many, you know, not to my own horn, but I've had many conversations and like prospects and whatnot where mm-hmm. spouse will say, well, I'm just here or it's, you know, exactly what he said. And my response every time they say that is like, I can appreciate that. And there's probably some truth to that. But the reality is, is that this is never going to work unless you and I have a dialogue. Yeah. So whether that's about your family or what you want to do on vacation, you may think that's not important to me. It is because, you know, you're telling me what's important to you. And at the end of the day, if you don't care how you get there, as long as you get there, it's my job. Right. Exactly. So can we tease that out before they sit down? That's sort of where we were going. 
Absolutely. Right? So being able to give people that. So, okay, so let's talk about, okay, so they take this, they can track this, they mm-hmm. can check, check their sentiment. Now let's talk about the advisor actions mm-hmm. and how this is being received. So I get this done with either leads or with mm-hmm. existing clients or onboarding clients. Mm-hmm. And I walk, I'm given this report. What does the report look like? And what are the insights or what are you trying to like to surface to them mm-hmm. as quickly as possible to action on? So again, the change is a little depending on the stage of the journeys, but so if it's a lead, just visiting mm-hmm. a website or hearing about them, then the action is a trigger to the advisor that says you have a new lead. First of all, we're going to capture the, the contact details. You have a new lead and this is what they care about right now. This is what's on their mind. So they're reaching out. If it's a prospect, the action is here's an agenda that you can use in that introductory meeting or talking points if you already have a process for agenda that will ensure that you have the deepest possible conversation. Same for clients. So typically it's either insights that you're sending back to that prospect or client, or we're feeding it into the agenda. That's the one-on-one immediate response The secondary part is all of that data is being aggregated up to show you trends over time, which will trigger different, more strategic changes in the business potentially. Yeah, it's okay. Perfect. And these are the things, again, the examples we gave, it's, it's about walking into that meeting and knowing where to shoot, right? It's, it's not wondering about that. Right. And, and oftentimes we'll, you know, the common thing for that is to send an agenda and say, Mm -hmm. okay, this is my agenda, put whatever else you want on top of this. And, you know, there's certain things that they will, like I have something upcoming or I'm not satisfied with whatever, but there's many things they won't, right? Like there is. Because they don't know what to say. Exactly. That's the problem that we have here. And it's just a human problem that we think we're doing this by saying, hey, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Anything on your mind? So we've ticked that box as an advisor, but if the client doesn't know how to respond, you're not going to get that insight. I think that the underlying secret sauce of all of this is asking clever questions that actually tease out those needs rather than just, are you okay? You're good? Okay, let me move on to what I yeah. wanted to talk about. <laughs> There's the 10-point scale for the NPR, for the number NPS, of yeah. score, NPS well, score, right? Like, yeah. NPR, I'm listening to too much podcast. Yeah, yeah. so... Absolutely. So basically, get this information, and it's it's similar to the same problem with um, with goals. You know, we sit across from clients. Okay, what are your goals? I want to retire, right? Yeah, like, I want, want money. Travel? I like travel. Yeah, not many yeah. people. You know, only certain personality types going to say no. I don't mm-hmm. like to travel. And beyond that, there's just these abstract, amorphous things that most people haven't basically thought about much. Yet we say it's the centerpiece of it all. Yet we get very little information. So the more we can, you're absolutely right. The more we can tease out deeper understanding of them the better this is. So I kind of look at yeah. this as being on trend with, you know, you're on trend with a couple of things. A, the ability to find, everybody's about to talking about finding deeper purpose and connection mm-hmm. and, and moving mm-hmm. kind of into the, the almost psychological realm of the aspects of financial planning as it should, sure. because AI is going to automate most of the rest of the stuff, quite honestly. Exactly. And then the second piece of this, you're on trend there, because essentially what you're doing is you're, you're basically detecting their emotional sentiment around the entirety mm-hmm. of the experience, which to date is quite frankly been lacking with the exception of surveys that are, are not as academically rigorous, I would say. I'm not saying you're an academic, but like you've tested this. You've got, yes. you know, you've yes, built the exactly. best practice yeah. and you've got an entire career of this. <laughs> While simultaneously also feeding into the data trend, which is fantastic. Because now if I can benchmark, can I, I can benchmark this on aggregate on how satisfied my, my customers are, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And here's where it gets really cool is on the data side, you can benchmark it, you can track change, 
But then we can start layering in other data sources. Now we're inching toward predictive, right? If we can start to see how people have been feeling and thinking and mesh that with things like retention data, it starts to get really interesting. Yeah. So, and that's a, it's a key thing. So the retention data. So, I mean, I know it's early to the game, but I mean, you've been consulting in this field for a long yeah. time, you know, is there... What kind of what kind of stats or what kind of data do you have that you can point to is to show that firms that do this and act on it have mm-hmm. higher retention? I mean, it's a no-brainer that they would, but do you have anything to support it right now? The, the two things that come out, well, I mean, first of all, I would say that when we deal with large firms, the leadership cares very much about retention, but individual advisors tend not to because retention is pretty yeah. high in this industry, right? So it tends not to be one of those. Yeah. Exactly. It's not a hot button thing. What we, where that we're leaning in is less about, are they on their way out now? We're trying to create a leading indicator of mm. issues in future. And what we have been able to do is create a correlation between our confidence index and retention and net promoter score and satisfaction. And so that tells me that how I'm feeling right now could have a future impact. So deal with that right now. I'm not even identifying as dissatisfied. I'm identifying as struggling. And that's going to become dissatisfied at some point. That yeah. And again, you can if that happens with one, that's not a big deal. If that is a trend, that's yes. a very big deal. Yeah. So they're basically okay. And, and yeah, to go back to the point of retention rates being really high. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think that makes us lazy, right? I think it makes a lot of advisors lazy to say, well, yeah, my clients are happy and therefore they're not leaving. Well, dissatisfied clients don't just up and leave after one dissatisfying meeting. It's it's a culmination of things because the friction to leaving is not low, right? Mm-hmm. Like going to, you know, hunting the advisor down to figure out who you're going to work with, figuring that out, and then going through that person's process and then all the account transfers and all the setup. It's a pain. It's a pain. Absolutely. Like you have to be drawn to something. It's a bit like being in a relationship, right? If there's nothing really bad happening, like, okay, well, kind of, but something else presents itself that is compelling and then it becomes a little more. And that's the issue is, is somebody going to step in and have these conversations with them? Because that'll be a game changer. I can give you a quick example. It was just from yesterday. I was talking to one of our clients who had a prospect coming in and it was actually the first time they were using our prospect feature. They'd been using the client one. And we looked at the report together and we asked the prospect, you know, what do you want to talk about as you do? Because it's an agenda. And it was, I want to know what services you provide and how much you charge. (laughs) That was the question. And that would have been the end of it. However, Mm -hmm. we also asked about confidence and concerns, and you could see that confidence was marginal, that there were certain issues that was really concerning this person, and that became the conversation instead of services and fees. But it could have gone the wrong way. (laughs) Back to the point of like the counterpoint, like they don't know, right? They don't know. It ends up devolving to the fee argument every time because the, you know, the old saying in the absence of value, there's price is uh, an object, whatever. I can't screw that up entirely. Yeah. Right. So the, the, the reality is, but at the same time, not only do they not understand the value or the, you know, they're talking about services because that's something potentially tangible. That's what they think of. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Right. Like they're coming in with their best effort of what their lack of understanding is when really, mm-hmm. you know, as we know, it's about the entire experience of the journey that they're going to have and, and 
again, getting to the bottom of their concerns, right? So it's not surprising too often advisors get rolled their eyes like, well, the first thing they ask them was about fees, right? And so then they think they got to be competitive on fees when and actually the conversation should never be about that. It should be about that once the conversation yeah. about what you're going to do for them is done. And then they, could, then they can actually make a value calculation in their mind. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So not surprising. So in general, okay, so basically now with your platform, I can <laughs> send this out, I can detect sentiment, <laughs> I can undercover uncover the issue, I can find the disconnected mm-hmm. clients, I can measure the trends, I know where to shoot. You know, what are your what's your advice on follow-up actions and how they take this? Besides just saying, hey, let's pull in the China shop this, I got this, you're concerned. What's your concern? You know, your your mm. spouse is disengaged. Let's engage the spouse. There's a reason why they're like that in the first yeah. place. So I think I have to think that doing the exact same thing just more directly is probably not going to work. So how do how do they change their approach? Such a good question because the reality is there is a soft skills overlay for what we're doing right yeah. and 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 a lot of technology frankly in the same way i mean you could say that about planning software right if you if you don't have the ability to go deeper and have a deeper conversation about here are my assets and expenses and so on and so forth it's not going to be that effective so we're as part of this even though it's a technology we've invested a lot of time and effort and just drawing on what we've always done to say and here's here's how you have those conversations and here's how you might follow up so we're it's on demand resources and in some cases live training with our larger clients on exactly what to do with that information sometimes it's pretty easy just you have a lead call them but this to me is the i don't know if it's a gap but it's an opportunity that we've got in our industry right now to dig deeper into how do I have different conversations with partners and with clients when these things emerge, because it, it scares some people, no doubt. It shouldn't, but it does. Yeah, the uh, it does because it moves. I think it's very easy to get into the realm of talking about product or planning or solutions because, mm-hmm. frankly, that's not an emotional thing, right? Yeah. There's this entire discussion about the move into the behavioral side of finance and there's, you know, the, the the financial therapy aspects, which are even more frightening to some people. We're getting into soft, squishy, messy things that often are highly uncomfortable for people. Right? They can be, although they often link back to planning at the end of the day, right? Almost every oh, yeah. one of these conversations. And you know what I think maybe the the fear is, is that somehow we think we need to have the answer. But we don't, right? If I asked you where to invest, you know, maybe you want to have an answer for that. But all advisors are doing in this case is having a process to give clients a a space to identify and acknowledge and understand how they're feeling and then to link that back to what they're trying to accomplish. If we can let go of that idea that I need to solve for all of these problems, I think it makes it a lot easier. Yeah, it's... Yeah, I, I hear that. I mean, frankly, you know, you said the first thing you said was it all links back to planning. Of, of course yeah. it does, because yeah. at some point the problem requires some form of action or support, whether it be for a solution or just to deal with the inevitable negative impact. I mean, if someone's dying, for I'm sure. not going to be able to help with that. But can yes. I absolutely at the same time be there to reassure them? Can I point the person I'm dealing with, the spouse, whoever it is, in the direction of someone who can help deal with their with their mm-hmm. cycle, well, what their challenges they're facing right now because of mm-hmm. what they're going through? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I can. And, and your point about the answer, you know, it's funny. I think there's a kind of level, you get to a level of, of comfort with yourself as a planner or a level of proficiency where you realize it's perfectly fine to say, I don't know, right? In Absolutely. Because you're human too, it turns out. 
Totally. You know, there's, and like you said, there's, there's things where if they ask, well, what about how's your performance lately? If you can't say, if you give a reasonable answer, it means that that's a table stakes question, yeah. but they ask a question or make a statement or they need for support for something. And you know, the answer is like, that's a very, the only answer is that's a very good question. I know the person I'm going to go contact on this, right? Mm-hmm. No one expects you to be able to pull every answer. Out of the t- and if I, actually, I think that's got to be negative that basically someone who thinks they have all the answers in front of someone is going to come off as largely making it up in some cases. Yeah. And this is a bit of a Mars and Venus thing, right? The mm-hmm. value is in having the conversation because the client yeah actually gets to know themselves. And that's been some of the most interesting thing is clients and prospects have been coming in and saying, we had a very different conversation before this meeting because of the questions that you asked. That's value. You've already delivered value. That's great. So. Yeah. So, okay. I'm going to go back to the the origin of this. I mean, let me take everything I've been doing for all these years and manifest it into something that actually systemizes my platform. You know, what were kind of the goals and objectives when you sought out to do this? Like, what were you hoping to change besides just simply saying, hey, I'm going to give you the turnkey way of approaching this? Well, I mean, I think everybody in this industry comes at these problems from two sides. One is to legitimately say to advisors, just what you just said, I I know what you're trying to accomplish because I talk to you all the time. You have these laudable goals, but it's hard when you're trying to do that across potentially hundreds of clients consistently. And and we wanted to provide a solution. But the other driver of it was that we knew that this was right for clients, right? That this was going to create an experience and a process that actually helped people. And so, you know, I think. Both of those things are are driving forces. We see we do this research all the time, and we saw these gaps. And it's a it's an interesting and somewhat humbling point to get to in your career, where you feel you've got a great product and you're great, getting great feedback, but you're looking at it and seeing the limitations of it. And that's what was happening: is we're doing these surveys, and and what could I say? But if you're asking about certain things on that survey, the data is going to be stale a week from now. And that was the truth. So how do we solve for that? Yeah, fair. So before we wrap up, I have three questions I ask everybody on a positive note. Mm-hmm. The first question is, if you have one wish for something to change in your company or the industry as a whole, what would it be? You know, when you ask that question, I, I tend to go to kind of high level things. And I think that what I'd like to see is is a continued evolution of how we think about value delivery. And what I mean by that is we're already on this path. We just have further to go. And seeing value as something that we deliver to a client, to something we create with the client. And that's all about co-creation of value. So I think the more that we can embrace true co-creation, which isn't just measuring how we're doing, it's about using input to actually change the experience. I think that's a that's sort of a win-win-win. So I'm hoping we continue down that path. Absolutely. So the second question I have for you is what's been the biggest challenge in the platform to, to where it is to date? I'm gonna I assume it was the entire career that led to the ability to actually do this, but I'll let you answer. Well, it's true. I mean, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing if we hadn't done what we did previously. I mean, this this did get us to this point. The real answer when I think you're pivoting, as we were from a professional services firm to a fintech, is the messy middle. The evolution of every single part of the business to deliver in a different way ultimately became a leadership challenge, to be honest, because 
the whole team is dealing with change, constant change. We're going from here to here. It did not happen overnight. And Mm -hmm. so some of that human stuff within the business, I think, has been among the most challenging. I think we're cracking it, but it's a challenge. Again, it's definitely on trend. I mean, it's uh, it is a challenge. The human the human side of this versus the number sides of this. They're they're two completely different sides of the coin, and almost no. in a lot of ways, two completely skill sets that appeal to two completely different type of people. But you know, the, yeah. the people fit the Venn diagram nicely. It, it works really well for them. And then the last question I have for you is: What excites you about what it is you're working on, and keeps you getting up in the morning to fight the good fight? I think I'm I'm just somebody who's hardwired for change and reinvention. So. Thankfully, because that's what I keep doing. But I, that excites me, the, the ability to create something completely new. I would say, though, that inherent in that question is actually something maybe deeper that we all need to think about, because I think so many of us who are tending toward the type A just get up, put our head down and work every day, day and night without ever asking that question in a yeah. deeper way. And I think the older I get, and it is happening. I've been thinking a lot about what that, to what end, (laughs) right, is all this. So I like that question because I think we just can give a trite answer. But really, honestly, I would have a hard time answering it some days. It's funny because the curse of the productive person is that, yeah, like you're really efficient at getting stuff done, but sometimes it's just, you don't stop to think about what's going at the beginning of the funnel and why you're bothering. When why, you why, what is all this about yeah. anyway? Yeah. These yeah. are great questions for us to think about though. Yeah. I mean, I can get this done in five minutes. The question is, should I get it done in five minutes? Right. And that we don't, it's you know, the right oh, it's, only five minutes. it's easy to get it done. Right. So yeah, exactly. oh, that's a challenge. So Julie, thank you so much for taking time today. I greatly appreciate this. Yeah. I mean, you've been, you've been someone putting out a lot of incredible stuff for the industry for a long time. So your contribution is, is very much valued and I'm glad to see your or, um, you're helping progress that by making a turnkey at this point. Yeah, well, right back at you. And uh, thanks for having me on. My pleasure. So that was Julie Littlechild of Absolute Engagement. I hope you enjoyed that and strongly encourage everyone to take a look at the Absolute Engagement engine. Take a look at simply just understanding the sentiment around your clients. I mean, frankly, something we should all be doing. If you don't know where to start, great place to start. If you're already doing it, frankly, better place to refine them. As always, if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, take care. This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, or find more episodes at jasonperera.ca.